the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Situation Report, where we give you the information you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. This is something we've been talking about for the last several weeks, and there's so much happening in our ever-changing culture that is absolutely confusing, because one plus one often does not equal two. <laughs> and that's the way I was taught it. It doesn't seem to make sense now. We look at what's happening and we go, what's actually happening? What's really going on? Uh, and Chad, we have, uh, again, we talked about this offline, but we look at things like the riots that are happening. Right. And we discuss Antifa and some of these organizations. Uh, we've all been watching collectively what's happening in Portland and other places. And you can't help but step back and ask the question, what is actually happening? Well, because... Uh you know, the media, and, you know, we hear this term a lot, but it's, and I think when, when President Trump first said fake news, people right. laughed at him, people mocked, <laughs> right. people mocked him, right. but he was absolutely right, and yes. now it's become a, you know, not a disputed thing, the yeah. media is fake news, right. and, uh, you know, if you look just be look behind the headlines, we're not getting yeah. uh, the full story, yeah. and, uh, and, and I believe the, the tragic hardships that we see in our country right now, the media is, uh, is completely complicit in those things by uh, not sharing the truth, yeah. not sharing the full story, by being biased, and uh, and just really, I think, foregoing their roles as journalists. There's yeah. no journalism anymore, and, uh, and it's impacting our culture and our country. One of the things that is helpful to us is um, alternative media, or what we call independent media. Yes. We have the opportunity now, and you know, this is an interesting part of this discussion, to not just look at network television and all the big news programs and organizations, but individuals who can actually go out, get on the ground, figure out what's happening, yeah. and report back to us. And that has become more and more critical you know, as all of these things have developed. Yeah, I mean, people have podcasts and YouTube stations, and I always tell people, look, don't take my word for it. Yeah. Don't take CNN or Fox's word for it. Right. Do a little research for yourself. There's lots of independent, independent journalists that are going out there and gathering the truth, the truth Find some that you trust, yep. and uh, and, stay, and find multiple ones that you trust. Yep. If these are, if these issues are important enough to you, to where you can be active, and become activists sure. over it, yeah, right. And then right. you probably should uh, invest in in uh, knowledge and information. Do your homework and know what's actually going yep. on. Thankfully, uh, with this issue in particular, we have a guest who can help us with that. Richie McGinnis yep. was on the ground in Portland, in Portland, and uh, is reporting back to us. Look forward to talking to him. Richie, thank you so much for your time today. Appreciate you being with us. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yes, sir. For those that don't know Richie, Richie is the chief video director for The Daily Caller. And uh, interesting story. I, I don't know that we have uh, time. We were talking about whether or not we had time to get into your whole story. But uh, raised on the left side of the political spectrum, but working with uh, Mark Levin, the great one, uh, that brought you yes, to uh, see things a little bit different. If you'd like to talk about that, certainly you can. But most Very recently, and this is why we invited you on, most recently you uh, spent some time hanging out with your friends in Portland, uh, 
part of the, uh, the, the Antifa riots in Portland. And, uh, man, as we look at all that's happening, all that's taking place, it's so confusing. Um, Chad met you, uh, I think, last week. Yeah, so I met, met on Daily Caller. I came on the show twice. I think last time was – first time was like a year ago. And, uh, you know, I got to know a little bit of your story last time and, and how you had the conversion through with Mark Levin and then hearing about you recently going undercover, right, uh, if I'm saying it right, with uh, Antifa and their experience there. So if you could start there and just tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, I think undercover would be a fair term because there's a lot of people signaling that they're press uh, in those protest environments. But because of where we're coming from, you know, if people know what outlet we're working for, and that's usually their first question, then they would not be very happy. And in fact, there have been situations where they've been passing our pictures around uh, they've identified us and, you know, they they start screaming. They try to gather a mob around to kick you out. Uh, we had Shelby, Shelby Talcott uh, right in front of the White House actually was pulled behind police lines and actually detained temporarily. That was more for her safety than it was her getting arrested because she was surrounded by a mob in front of the police line who was trying to steal her phone. And we had a similar experience in New York as well. So one characteristic that we've seen in Chaz, in Portland, in New York, in D.C. is that the people inside of these zones, they they don't mind if people film police brutality, but if you're filming them fighting or them doing anything negative towards the right. police, then they, they treat you very with a lot of hostility. And so that's the point where, you know, we've kind of experimented with different disguises and stuff like that, because the moment we arrive on a scene, they, they see we're st- we start reporting from there. You know, they follow the Daily Caller, they follow our accounts, they start to pass our photos around. And actually in Portland, it was a little bit more convenient because you, uh, you wear a gas mask the whole time. <laughs> so all we had to do was make sure they didn't have an idea on our, what our gas masks were like. And yeah. uh, we were good to go. But definitely there's an aspect of hostility to anybody who's trying to you know, present the situation evenly insofar as they're, they're showing the negative on both sides. Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, one, I mean, all the all the stuff we see on, you know, Daily Caller and on, on, on the media is because of, you know, brave journalists like you that are getting in there, putting your life. I mean, you're putting your life at risk getting in there to capture that footage and showing the other side, the story that the m- mainstream media is not one to tell. But, you know, it, it leaves the question, what what's still fueling all this? Like it originally started justice for Floyd and, and uh, you know, for for. Uh, the lack of justice in the, in the country that people were claiming that, that exist. And, uh, but quickly, I think no one can disagree that it's not about that anymore. So what is it about? What's fueling it? What is it? What are the, as you're embedded with these Antifa folks, what are, what are they there for? What are they trying to accomplish? I wanted to take a minute to let our audience know about the work that we do through an incredible veterans nonprofit called the mighty Oaks foundation. Many of our nation's warriors struggle with the hardships of military service and reintegration back into civilian life. Often they leave broken homes in their aftermath and comprise one of the most at-risk groups for suicide, with over 20 veterans who take their lives every single day. Mighty Oaks tackles this critical issue with our faith-based peer-to-peer resiliency and recovery programs offered at no cost to our honored servicemen and women at beautiful ranches across the United States. Mighty Oaks has one of the highest success rates of any program available anywhere. Visit MightyOaksPrograms.org to learn more about how you can make a direct impact in the lives of our servicemen and women to help them find a new life purpose through hope in Christ. Again, that's MightyOaksPrograms.org. Witnessing the transformation that these men and women go through is absolutely incredible. There are no words to describe seeing warriors restored to the lives they were created to live, changing their legacies 
for eternity. Your support is needed now more than ever and will ensure that our programs are here for our warriors who are in desperate need. Again, the website is mightyoaksprograms.org. Yeah, well, first off, I will take issue with you saying I risk my, I maybe risked my dome, but not my life, you know, maybe a sucker punch, but nothing compared to the service, obviously, that you did uh, to keep us all safe. But in any event, what's driving this is actually, it's interesting because it's, especially in Portland, it's, it's almost like a script. It happens the same every night. And basically around the federal courthouse where all this violence has been coalescing, you have genuine demonstrations. Uh, you have people coming out, you know, after sunset, after dinner, you know, after work, and the, the numbers are much larger around 8, 9 p.m. Everybody comes out, there's uh, somebody on the megaphone, and, you know, you usually seem to see the same speakers night after night. And actually on one of our last nights, uh, one of the speakers said, I'm not even going to touch that fence. Like, I don't know about you guys. You guys can do whatever you want. But me, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to bring attention to this cause. And us shaking that fence and bringing those feds out isn't helping anybody. And it's putting us at risk. So there's definitely an element of genuine activists and protesters. But there's a changing of the guard that happens, you know, around midnight. And that's really when you know, the, the purveyors of chaos, the people who have been doing this for 60 or 70 nights who are fully dedicated, it doesn't take more than a couple dozen, maybe 100 or 200 of them to really wreak a lot of chaos, light a lot of fires, bring a fence down. They, you know, they're employing ropes, they're employing uh, heat uh, protective gloves to throw the tear gas back. They have shields, they're using Roman style turtling of the shields, like all their tactics are very well versed. And night after night we really just saw a rep a repetition of the same thing you know they shake the fence they shoot fireworks the feds come out so it's really what it is is it's coordinated aggravation and it has nothing to do with the blm protesters it's it's an attempt to aggravate the police and create a spectacle of violence really why are they doing <laughs> it i mean what's what's the goal what are they trying to accomplish and then yeah kind of connected to that is Antifa as an organization, who is that? Who does that represent? Because we've been told yeah. it's it's not an organization. It's not organized in any way. It's just a group of disjointed people, which clearly that's not the case. So who are they and what are they actually trying to accomplish? Well, certainly I would say that a lot of the tactics that I was just describing, do they do represent uh, somewhat of insurgency tactics. And so uh, you see that same decentralization of the of the hierarchy of the organizational structure which makes it very difficult to, to stamp out, you know, the head of the dragon, so to speak. So that right. what, what we've seen in these various different zones is, is different levels of complexity of organization and leadership structure. So when we were in the Chaz, we saw that Antifa was providing a lot of the security along with John Brown gun club. And so they would be kind of at the entrances, but immediately upon arriving, I mean, we instantly heard, of conflicts between the BLM uh, leaders. If you remember uh, Raz, yep. uh, the name of the leader, yep. a bunch of people were calling him a warlord. And a lot of the other folks who maybe were the SJW types, who were Antifa folks, who were more like on the John Brown Gun Club, which is like a whole different level of leftward leaning uh, ideology. And so instantly we saw a lot of infighting there. Um, and obviously the Chaz dissolved pretty soon after we left. But in Portland, it's a, it's a whole different ball game because they're actually, they've been doing this for 70 mm -hmm. nights. There are kind of the, there's the same guy there every night playing the trumpet, you know, playing the charge, playing when, you know, he plays the, uh, they play the Empire Strikes Back song, the <laughs> Imperial March. Right. The, 
when the feds start to show up to clear everybody out. But the point being that, you know, the level of organization in New York, we saw Antifa as well. It was much less organized than either Seattle or uh, Portland. And DC, similarly, you know, there's, there's definitely Antifa elements. You see them in their black block, but it's not, you know, it's much more, I think on the East Coast, it was much more kind of activist driven. Um, but that's the same Portland, like I said, it's very, very organized. And while the, you might not see the leaders, you know, getting on the megaphone, the Antifa guys, it, it's more of the BLM people who are, you know, outwardly speaking yeah. uh, about ideology and about the cause. Uh, the, the Antifa folks are the ones who you see come out after 12 a.m. and throw, I mean, legitimately, we saw Molotov cocktails, incendiary devices thrown. We saw rotten food inside of jars. We saw uh, slingshots. We saw all different types. I mean, fireworks. I had, a, I had a firework actually detonate in my feet, and it was a lot worse than a flashbang in terms of what it did to my ears and my senses, like the moment that it blew up and actually burned my pants. But the only point is that those fireworks, is, those are, it's, it's dangerous to law enforcement. They're shooting yep. lasers into their eyes. Yep. And so we didn't see that level of aggression towards law enforcement in any of the other areas other than Portland. And it's been ratcheted up to the point where a lot of these attacks that we saw with the, with the incendiary devices, I mean, they could legitimately have killed police officers if they blew up in their direct vicinity. So that's, I mean, that's a next level of antagonism that I didn't see elsewhere. As for like the structural organization, not tactically speaking, but speaking in terms of leadership and where the orders are coming from and where these rocks that show up on the sidewalk are coming from, I really don't know. And I'm just able to speak about what I see on the ground, but yep. I do see, uh, I do see methods, techniques, and weaponry being employed that that does imply that there's some kind of central leadership giving orders on how to build these weapons, how to acquire them, and it's it's troubling for sure. But I just I can't really speak beyond that. If you had to ask, like, just some random Antifa agitator out there, if you had to ask them, what's the goal? What are you yeah. here to accomplish? Yeah. What, what would their answer be? Or would they have an answer? It really, I actually had a clip play on uh, Sean Hannity's show that basically, you know, I just took my mask off, sat, sat down around a nice garbage fire that was burning outside the federal courthouse and was just chatting it up with as many of these folks as I could. And, and the two individuals that uh, I was talking to in the interview uh, that was featured on Hannity, I basically just said, you know, what, what would you have thought if that, that explosion that we just saw, we saw a massive explosion that night. What would you have thought if that blew up on one of the cops? And um, what if one of them died? And they basically laughed and said, you know, if one of those cops died, then good. But uh, that is definitely common amongst the individuals that you see in, in Portland specifically. It's a much more extreme anti-cop vibe. You're, you're hearing in the cheers a lot less, uh, what was her name, Breonna Taylor or yeah. Uh, what do we want justice you're hearing a lot more all cops are and so the, the anti-cop rhetoric in portland was way stronger and i would i would argue that you know the majority of the people you see wearing black block super late at night when you sit around the garbage fire with them and ask them you know what they would think if these cops got hurt they say good is this something that we should be worried about or is this a moment in time it will pass like everything else passes and we just need to get to the other side of it. You know, it's an interesting question because I was actually discussing that with my mom who she was in Washington, D.C. during the late 60s and early 1970s yep. uh, during the Vietnam protests. And she was on campus in D.C. and uh, her classmates were tear gas. She was in the nursing school and she treated them. And 
I was comparing my experience to her experience. And I mean, I think really the difference there is that what we were protesting then was the projection of American power overseas and colonial, you know, you could argue a whole different variety of things that we were protesting, but we weren't protesting was the results of a democratic election. And what I've seen in, in Portland, Seattle, New York, and DC is a common thread of anti-federal government, not because of the federal government, but because it's uh, occupied by Trump in the White House. And so the people ask me, you know, why are they targeting this federal courthouse night after night? Why not any of the other, you know, there's a county jail. Yeah. Um, and I actually talked to the sheriffs who were protecting that building right next to the courthouse. They said they hadn't seen anybody try to do anything to that wow. building. Um, so it, the point being that that really, that federal courthouse stands for federal power. It stands for President Trump's White House and his Department of Justice. And so I think that to go back to the, your original question of should we be worried about this, I think we definitely should be worried about it because what we're witnessing here is a massive gulf between the two sides of the country, one of which elected Donald Trump and the other abhors the fact that our country elected him. And so I think that the, the, the problems that we see here are, are much more deep seated culturally yeah. than perhaps um, and perhaps more irreconcilable than what my mom described uh, facing in the 1970s. Yeah. So I think it is troubling for sure. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I, I believe this comes from is it is disinformation. You're in journalism. Uh, you know, not everyone, I, I, you know, you work for Tucker Carlson. I, I know Tucker to me is one of, one of the, to me, he's like one of the only people that just shares unbiased truth, no matter what size it, side it comes on. And, uh, and I, I love that journalism, but it's, it's so, uh, it's so rare right now. And I think so a lot of these people that are sucked into movements like Antifa aren't getting the truth and they're, they're misinformed and they're getting behind social causes that they don't even know, uh, you know, what, what is right and what's wrong. And so I was, I really, when I was talking to you in DC, one of the things you said was that when you went to work for Mark Levin, that you were like, Oh my, you came to this point. You were like, Oh my gosh, I've been lied to my whole life. Like, uh, yeah. and, and just really, do you think that many of the people we see out there in this Antifa movement and BLM movement or have been lied to like the way you thought that you had been? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I grew up in a New York, a suburb of New York city, uh, on the East coast. And I think that's very much a bubble in terms of, you know, the, the audience that I see at the daily caller or the audience that I see, uh, the folks who watch Tucker Carlson every night, there's vast differences in terms of the way that those two groups of people view what our government should be, what our value system should be. And, you know, really by working for Mark Levin and working for the daily caller, I was kind of exposed to, you know, in working in digital media, you see thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of comments a year uh, from people just speaking from the heart as honestly as, you know, like you can see their profile picture right there on Facebook, them with their family. And to put that human face on it, rather than just, I think the attitude very much, you know, I worked at NBC prior to working for Mark Levin. And I think there's, there's definitely an attitude of, well, you know, they're dumber, so they don't know better. And that's really, I think the, the animus that that created uh, between the media and the population that thought that the media was, you know, basically ignoring them. I think that that gulf that was created is exactly what 
allowed for Donald Trump to step in and become the president. So what we were talking about earlier, this divide that we're seeing now, I think it does go back to that that kind of uh, moment of change that I had when I kind of was exposed to this whole new set of ideas and understanding of the world in America and its significance and, and how to proceed. And I know that a lot of my friends in my direct sphere who I've lived with you know, since I was in college at Georgetown, they, they've undergone the same exact thing. And, you know, whether it's one of my roommates who starts working for the government and that's what makes him wake up, or if it's one of my friends from school who now lives in New York, who just watches uh, stuff on YouTube instead of tuning into the normal news, you know, guys like Mark Levin, or, or they, they actually just start watching Tucker on Fox and just make that jump. I mean, I've seen that time and time again, but what I also see is the rest of my friends, there's very much a groupthink mentality associated with kind of the social media um, justice yeah. approach to changing things in the world today. So everybody with a thousand followers on their Instagram, it's not necessarily that they think that posting that is going to impart change in any term of time. It's it's that they're showing their friends that they believe in that. And I think like with the what you saw with the box post maybe a month ago. I mean, I talked to plenty of friends who said, listen, I'm going to post it because I'm scared that I don't want to seem like a racist. Yeah. And I think yeah. that that's, that's definitely a prevailing feeling uh, across my generation, you know, 30 and under that is very, very strong. And I, I, I've talked with a lot of people talked with a lot of people uh, kind of off the record and they, they all say the same thing um, is that, they're not really sure what, what this is doing to actually cause change. Kind of in conclusion, um, where do we go from here? What do we need to do as a country to move past this and get to a productive place? Well, I think for one, you know, the opportunity, and, and it's actually in basically every way, this is a very sad thing that's happening to our country. But the vacuum that I saw with even Fox News journalists going out at 2 p.m. and saying, classic line of, oh, it's a very much a party-like atmosphere. It's mostly peaceful. And then actually being on the ground and seeing what was really going on yeah. in odd hours when network news isn't running live content. Uh, us filling that vacuum and showing America what's actually going on, I think actually moving forward is exactly what we need to have those tough conversations because in that violence, you're seeing not only the ideological and cultural battle that's going on, but also the economic strife and, and just the, the, the sad and lost people that are doing this because they feel like they have no other option. Yeah. And so by, by showing that we can move forward, but the, the real problem is, is if you have corporate media dug in on both sides in their respective echo chambers that we were discussing earlier and not willing to, to bridge that gap, to, to have the difficult conversations, to show the difficult content you know, what's actually happening and really just speak honestly about, you know, what is the problem here? It is a problem and we need to treat it accordingly. And I don't think that 95% of the voices in our corporate media are speaking honestly about that because they're afraid to speak yeah. against the narrative. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. That's good. Richie, thank you. Wish we had more time. Maybe we'll get you back on and uh, yeah. do hey, it again. Where thank can, you guys. Thanks for everything people, you're doing uh, and keep up the good work. Where can thanks. people follow you? People that want to watch, uh, watch uh, what you do and follow you. Same on everything. It's just at, at Richie McGinnis, R-I-C-H-I-E-M-C-G-I-N-N-I-S-S. -S. Yeah. 
Awesome, man. Thank yeah. you. We'll look, talk again soon. Yeah, look forward to seeing you in guys. D.C. soon. Bye-bye. All right. So many good things in that conversation, but want to boil it down to a couple of key takeaways for you. Here is your situation report. The first one is this. As we consider the riots that are happening across the country, and again, there's a difference between peaceful protests, a right ensconced in our uh, Bill of Rights and our Constitution, peaceful protests versus riots. And what we're seeing now are riots. Um, Really, and there's a lot of reasons that are given for these things, but really they are a move against our federal government. And these are folks who really want to undermine the federal government. We need to keep that in mind because that helps us to support policies that would deal with what's happening. The second one is this, and this point has been made several times, but we need to get beneath the headlines and get the right information. Chad said this as we started, but uh, so much of what is happening is because of what the media is feeding us, and they are complicit in so much of how we feel about this. We need to get beneath the headlines and really understand what's going on. And finally, this is so important. Thankfully, we have independent media sources now that uh, not too long ago we didn't have. You can take video on a cell phone. You can get pretty good sounds there. Many folks are embedding themselves in places where these uh, incidents, like the riots, are happening, and they're reporting back to us, and we need that. Do your homework. Look to these independent sources. Get beneath the headlines. Figure out what's going on, and then we can move forward in a meaningful way. What a great conversation, and, uh, man, so much good information there. That's great. Rich yeah. is awesome. Richie's awesome. We'll talk to him again, I hope. But uh, look forward to next time. That is it for today, and we'll see you next week. See you next week. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.